As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So many people are caught up in like, they need to define their style. And that's mm-hmm. not true. You don't need to be farmhouse. You don't need to be boho. You can be whatever you want to be. You can be all of it. Your house should bring you joy and peace and serenity. I'm Ali Wolf, an Emmy-winning journalist and mom. I love interviewing women and experts who inspire us to create fulfilling lives and careers while embracing the messy and beautiful reality of being a mom. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. I loved this conversation I had with my guests because it is fun, but it's also packed with a whole lot of value for you. So once I became a mom, I became fascinated with how other women navigate their career and motherhood, and specifically how their course changed after becoming a mom. It's part of the inspiration behind this podcast too. My guest, Jenna Mainhout, has an inspiring story of how she went from working at Nordstrom headquarters to becoming a mom, an influencer, and eventually the owner of an interior design studio called Styled Out West. Jenna walks us through the ups and downs of being a business owner, and I'm so inspired by her confidence and how she embraced the unknown, which allowed her career to evolve organically. Some of the highlights of this conversation include how to make a plan to quit your job without falling into debt, the business of blogging, social media, how it's a necessary evil. Plus, I love Jenna's interior design tips and also stick around to the very end to hear how she makes self-care a central part of her daily life. Hi, Jenna. Welcome to Mom's Calling. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to start off by telling you how I knew who you were because I moved to Seattle and I knew no one and had no connection to Seattle. And I searched top bloggers and you popped up. So that's how I found your website. So you're famous on the internet in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. I love that. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just figured you should know that. But you also are a lot more than a blogger. And I think your career is really interesting. So I'd love to know how you got... I think a lot of people would consider what you do a dream job and younger women. So take us back. Tell us your journey to how you got to where you are today. So, oh my gosh, dream job. Yeah, (laughs) it appears that way, right? Actually, right before I got on this call with you, I was looking over my uh, business expenses and my profit and loss. And I'm like, oh man, running a business, the joy. My journey to get here has been an interesting one. So I have a career in fashion, like a previous career in fashion. That's kind of what I did out right after college. Um, I worked for Nordstrom for about 10 years in their corporate office. And then after I had my first daughter, I just 
was like, I'm not going to go back to that corporate life. I can't do it. And I've always sort of known my personality. I don't do well being told what to do. So I always have sort of known that I needed to have some sort of path that I could be my own boss. And, um, you know, after working so hard and at a, at a very young age, having been in corporate America for that long, I was in a financial situation where I could do that. So had my first daughter and I was like, I'm just going to enjoy being a mom. I don't know what to expect and what that's going to bring me. With no plan, Jenna started blogging. I was very empowered by this notion that you can still be a mom and still do it all and look fashionable. She blogged about motherhood and fashion and she realized I was like, well, I could probably make a living out of this. So I started doing wardrobe styling and I just created this really awesome community of women. And I met women in my community here. I live in West Seattle. So I started going to like fitness mom groups and meeting people that way and uh, joining Facebook groups. And I just grew this social media following and um, it just organically kind of turned into this cool business idea. And so I did that for quite a while. And um, then we were about, gosh, I think my daughter was like one and a half. And we realized the house that we were living in was way too small and we had outgrown it all the baby crap, all the things that come with it. So we started talking about potentially remodeling and I, mind you, I had no experience with this whatsoever. So we decided to completely gut renovate our house. We took it down to the studs. At one point, we only had two walls, redesigned the entire thing, doubled the square footage. It was a huge undertaking. I mean, I had no idea what went into it. Like all the pre-stuff you had to do, right? Like the surveys, the permits, the everything like that, designing the space. I ended up designing it, the whole thing myself. Um, And it was this really amazing year and a half long journey that when it was done, my husband was like, what are you doing? You need to do this for a living. And because I created this amazing community on Instagram, they of course followed the whole process of of the house and they got so invested in it. Then people were asking me, can you come do my house? And oh my God, like you need to start doing this. So I just decided to do interior design. And so here we are like a year and a half later um, since I started and we've got this really cool emerging design business along with the lifestyle uh, blog. And yeah, that's kind of a long story of it. There you go. Oh my gosh. Well, so much to kind of unpack because it's a really cool natural evolution. So, but going back to how you decided to quit corporate America, I mean, you look around right now and like the great resignation is happening. And a lot of people are just saying, screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, that's part of my story too. It's so common with moms to realize what am I doing? My time is more valuable with my children and you've already accomplished a lot. So was that a difficult decision to transition into blogging and the identity shift of motherhood? I'm curious about that because I think it's such a universal thing. Yeah, it was not a difficult decision because I was <laughs> I was in the position that I was in. And I think just as women too, this is so relevant. Like it doesn't really matter where you work, but I feel like we're always like wanting the next thing, right? Mm -hmm. So as I was trying to climb the career path, that meant the harder and the more powerful I got, the more I was going to have to give up. And I just realized I was like, it doesn't need to be that way. Mm -hmm. We can still have it all, but do it on our own terms. And so it was scary, obviously, because I had a very cushy salary and things were easy. Um, and my husband actually has a sales job where he's hundred percent commission. So it was a scary transition, but at the same time, I feel like we had, again, really set ourselves up for success and we felt very comfortable making that decision. So I look back now, I could not 
fathom being in an office and being told like, you need to be here from this hour to this. I know like the culture and, and everything has changed, especially since COVID, right? Like people are working from home now and they're realizing that is possible. So yeah, I think it's a really interesting, I think the world is changing too. And, and we're going in that way. And there's so many more female entrepreneurs and, and business owners now, which is amazing. So I hope that that's, you know, I hope that what we're doing and what we talk about inspires other people to know that they can go do that too. Yeah. I think that the future of work is, has changed. And I think like the way tech operates has made a lot of people realize that like, you don't have to be chained to your desk in an office. Um, but I'm wondering for other moms who might be in the earlier stages, do you have any words of advice from somebody who's been there? If they're, if they're hating their job, like, is, are there ways to prepare for that next step? So you're not like, what have I done? I'm not making money anymore. What am I doing? Oh God, if I could go back and talk to my 28 year old self, cause I was kind of miserable little person. And I remember complaining all the time. Um, number one, be grateful that you have a job. I don't think I ever, I mean, I think I totally took it for granted. And, and you could have asked other girls younger than me or my age back then, like, oh my God, you're an assistant buyer in Nordstrom. You have a dream job. Like it looks like that from the outside, but um, I never was grateful for that. And I, and I always was like, why aren't I getting promoted? Or why didn't I get that opportunity when I didn't deserve it? You know, that wasn't the place that I was in. I needed to work my way there. So definitely wasn't grateful for what I had. When I knew in my head, the minute I got pregnant, I was like super stressed out. I ended up actually having high blood pressure due to like a high stress work environment. And so that like light bulb went off and I was like, okay, I started saving my money, which I've never been great at. And I really started saying, okay, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to take a year off, I need to financially make sure that I have no debt. So I, in a year paid off my car loan, all of my student loans, all of my credit card debt. I really just kind of focused in on it. It wasn't hard <laughs> uh, making small changes. And that really was like the kind of the I guess, green light that I needed to give myself, right? Like I was like, okay, if I can meet this goal, I feel comfortable with it. So I think just making small little changes like that and then really deciding is your mental health, right? Like Mm -hmm. what are the things you're willing to give up? And, you know, sure, again, I wasn't shopping as much. I wasn't going out to drinks with friends. I wasn't doing a lot of that stuff. Maybe we weren't traveling as much for that first year, but it was all worth it. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So I would say to like that mom, like you don't need to know, I think just set yourself up to be in the space, to be able to like truly do it and enjoy it. And then decide and, and kind of take that time to like really dig into your soul and figure out what you want. So I think that's great that you really did prepare well, because I think there's this whole thought of being an entrepreneur and being your own boss, but if you don't prepare and you're not organized in that way, you can really just dig a hole and be, you know, financially not doing well. And also, I mean, it's so interesting hearing you because I'm such a planner and I freak out if I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just think it's great that you just embraced it. And then when you did find blogging, I'm wondering how you navigated that. And if you would say that's still a, a good route today in the world of like TikTok and how things, they change so quickly. Okay. So how I navigated it, I will be completely honest. And, and, and I think anybody, any vlogger will tell you this. When you first start, you don't make any money. Mm-hmm. It's all about building trust and building a community. 
back then it was a little different. We barely had reward style back when I started. That was like a huge thing when, and it was like when it was very exclusive and only certain people got invited to do it. So I remember when I got accepted, that was like everything. Is that like, like to know like LTK? Yes. Okay. That's probably 50% of the revenue that most bloggers make is through their like to know it, but it's a slow process. Like it's taken me years to be able to now make an, a, a regular like monthly income from that. And even still, it's not it's not like paying the bills. Let's put it that it's like Mm -hmm. letting me shop and not feel guilty is kind of what it's doing. So there's that aspect of it. And then brand partnerships were also a newer thing. When I started blogging, it wasn't brands weren't really understanding yet the influence that us influencers have. And so I think if you have a social media presence, I say, yes, I think it's a very easy way to monetize income. But if you don't have a social media presence and you're just deciding I'm going to start a blog and an Instagram tomorrow, I would say probably not because you just can't grow the way that you used to, to try to get a one particular community to stick with you on one platform is almost impossible these days. I'm curious for you, is that hard to keep up with? Because I know like when I post for this podcast, it's like, oh my God, I feel like I'm stuck on Instagram. And like, so I can only imagine if you are relying on that for at least part of your income that there's a lot of pressure. And so I'm just curious how your relationship is with social media, because it's such a necessary evil, I think. I mean, what do you think of it? That you just hit the nail on the head. a toxic relationship with with Instagram and a love-hate relationship. Let's put it that way. I go through spurts. Sometimes I'm all in it and I'm like, wow, my followers are loving everything I'm sharing. And sometimes my engagement is so poor that I do something as crazy as trying to create a whole new account. I did that a couple months ago. I just decided I was like, screw it. I'm going to start a whole new account and just see what happens because I felt like Instagram wasn't showing people my content. You know, if you're not doing the reels and you're not keeping up with what they want you to do, they'll stop pushing your stuff out. So it's a mind, it's a mind thing because if you're not consistent all the time, it is really hard to be seen. But at the same time, on the other token, because I do, I do have two Instagrams. I have my personal one. And then I have one for a brand, which we only showcase our interior projects and anything going on on the blog. So I will say like, if I didn't have it and I wasn't consistent with it, a potential client could come to my page and I could totally lose out on their business because they'll be like, Oh, this girl, is she even working anymore? She hasn't posted in six months. Right. So it's definitely a constant give and take. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I will say I have learned to just try not to be so paranoid about it. And also just post when I want to post what I want to post people like it. Great. If they don't, whatever. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because it's like having the following is what helped you get those clients, which we'll get into your design, your interior design and that whole business. But that is such a beautiful thing. But at the same time, it causes so much stress. It's your time and your time is money. And so you want to know that there's some return, but then again, you don't want to be on there. Just be just like, I want to make money and people can see through that. So I totally understand that. I don't know about you, but winter is taking its toll on my skin and no one wants to feel dry and dehydrated. But I have a solution for you. The way Melrose Place body cream will quench your thirsty skin and leave it feeling silky smooth That is what we want. High quality nourishing ingredients will provide hydration that'll prevent dry and icky skin this winter and really all year long. Experience the new Way Melrose Place Body Cream and Body Cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to theway.com. That's T-H-E. 
B-O-U-A-I.com and use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get 15% off your entire purchase. That is 15% off your whole order at theway.com and use the code BELIEVE. Starting is very hard. So do you think that's a good option these days? Or you think it's like you got to go to TikTok or somewhere where you can get that? I mean, you almost have to go viral to get noticed, right? Yes, totally. I think if you are going to start something, yeah, you kind of have to go to the latest and greatest thing. I mean, the fastest yeah. way that your people are going to get eyes on your product or your service. I think Instagram is definitely still valuable. I think you should still have one, right? All of my clients have been referrals from social media. Maybe one client found me through my website or something, but it's very rare. So I think that there's a lot of business owners who underestimate the power of social media, right? Mm -hmm. They don't go on and show their face. And I'm the brand. Sure, I have a brand and I have an aesthetic and I have, but it's me. Like most of the time they're hiring me. They're not hiring my couch. So um, I think it's important to have that. And so, yeah, I would say if you're just starting out, you've got to just go with the trends, post reels every day and forget about the most perfectly curated feed because apparently nobody cares about that anymore. And yeah, try to produce, you know, good video content that's going to go viral. Okay. That's a good tip. I know the showing your face thing is like a lot of people, like I was selling on Etsy before, and a lot of people are just putting up pictures of their bracelets and their posters, but people just don't connect with a, with a photo of that. So how do you go, obviously you did your whole home renovation and you had this audience. How do you go and turn that into a business? Because I imagine you didn't have a whole lot of experience with that because you worked for corporate America. So what was that experience like? Well, I think my experience with corporate America, I actually was an assistant buyer in the home department. And so um, I did have a little bit of an understanding of that, of how to buy retail and the whole, because a huge part of being a designer is the markup you get from furniture, right? So you're kind of like a, a reseller. And then honestly, my Instagram community has been incredible. Anytime I ever went on, it was like, you guys, I'm like struggling with my processes. I need somebody to come in and just help me figure out. I had like a magical unicorn show up on my, you know, Instagram DMs being like, that's what I do for a living. I can help you figure that out. Or you need a bookkeeper. I have somebody. So I really just leaned on my community, honestly, which is so cool. And then just trial and error. I mean, truly, really, it was just that and just doing it getting in there, seeing what happens, learning from what worked, what didn't work. It's very impressive how confident you are about it. I feel like I would have the worst imposter syndrome ever. So did you feel that at all? Like entering this world where I feel like seeing the other designers is probably intimidating. So, I mean, I think learning by doing is the best way. So was it just that and just pushing along and knowing that you have people supporting you who want to hire you? I think honestly, it was that it was the saying like, fake it till you make it. And I, I don't yeah. want to say, like, I don't want people to think I'm going into these homes and I have no idea what I'm doing. Designing was easy to me. That wasn't, yeah. I didn't need to learn how to do that. It was everything else in the back end. How do you mm. set up a retail account? How do I go buy wholesale? How do I know how much to market up? How do I then pay the state back for the sales tax? All the things that nobody realizes that goes on in the back end. It was all that stuff that I was learning and just the process of it all. But getting in there and meeting the client and seeing them, like I said, they usually had already vetted me. They already felt like they knew me. I think that more so were hiring me. That's kind of what it was. And no, I never, there was never really a time when I was like, oh, wow, that was really evident that we didn't know what we were doing there. 
because like I said, the design aspect of it just came so easy to me. I could, I can go into a room and just with my eyes closed, be like, I know exactly what we're going to do. Okay. Before we continue with the show, I want to talk a little about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressure to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track. Personalized lessons help you gain confidence and practical knowledge. One-on-one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finished the program and more than 60% that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. So Let's talk about style. Like if you were to move into a new place and you wanted to make it beautiful, how do you start? I mean, do you go room by room? Do you just look for things you love? It's very daunting to furnish a house and to make it beautiful. So I'm wondering, like, how do you think about that going in? Do you have the style or do you just find the pieces that you like? I would say Pinterest. If a client doesn't have a Pinterest board, I'm almost like, wait, you (laughs) can't work with you. No, I'm just kidding. But truly Pinterest is everything. So I would say so many people are caught up in like, they need to define their style. And that's Mm -hmm. not true. You don't need to be farmhouse. You don't need to be boho. You can be whatever you want to be. You can be all of it. So don't be so uh, worried about the style or the trend necessarily. Go on Pinterest. If you're designing your living room, type in beautiful living rooms and just see what sticks out to you and start pinning things. And you'll start to see a pattern. You'll start to see what you like. Do you like light and bright and airy? Do you like moody colors? Do you like natural tones or darker woods? You'll start to figure out what that is. And then from there, I would say we always design room by room, but first defining that like, those few things that stick out. So that's what I always do with the client in our first consultation together. We look through your Pinterest board and I immediately can tell, okay, you like white or you like natural woods or you like this beachy vibe or you like more of like a moody Northwest vibe. So from there, then it's like either picking one color that you're drawn to, whether that's, um, you know, a beautiful green tone or something like that. And then kind of just starting to design from that. And it's really interesting as we start designing the rest of the room, somehow they all just... They're not matchy matchy, but it all comes back to like one central theme. Truly, if you're going to furnish your whole house yourself, try to stick with one or two retailers. That way you're not, you know, because you're never going to match the wood tone from the crate and barrel table that you bought to the one you're the side table trying to find a Wayfair. Like that's never going to happen. So they do collections for a reason. So it's like try to stick with a couple of retailers, make it easy on yourself and buy good quality stuff because it's going to last. And the other stuff is truly not as great. Okay. So since you said good quality, if... Somebody is like, okay, I don't want to spend like all my money in one time. There are certain things that you think are worth splurging on versus saving on looking at Marshall's or TJ Maxx versus like 
restoration hardware. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely retailers out there that you're just paying for the name. Yeah. Restoration hardware is one of them. I'll be yeah. really <laughs> but it's no different than clothes, right? So there definitely is that in the market, but I would say, um, the main living areas of your house, the areas that you are in the most, the kitchen, the living room, your entryway, that's where you should start. Cause you have to look at that every single day. And that's where your friends and family are going to come over. And that's really where you set the intention for the whole house. So spend the money there. Not only is it going to get the most use, right? Like sitting wise, but it's where you're going to see the, see all the time. And your house should bring you joy and peace and serenity. And so focus on those areas splurge there. Sure. Go buy the like really expensive couch. That's going to last you six years, but maybe you can buy the side table at Marshall's. That's okay. Right. Focus on those main living areas. The other rooms, they can wait. It's a process. Trust me. I have clients where we've done their entire house and we're two years in now. We're still not done because they can't afford to just throw us all the money at once. So we, we kind of do it room by room for them, but we always start in the main areas first. That's a great tip. And then, okay. So sticking with this, do you have any rule of thumb things that I've heard of like the curtains should touch the ground or be longer or like the rug should meet the couch, things that will make your house look richer regardless of what you use, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love a curtain panel. I think it makes the room look so expensive. I think layering. So like, like we were just talking about, if you have an opportunity where you have a built-in bookshelf or even just a bookshelf that you buy, go buy all your accessories at Marshall's. I don't care, but accessorize the shit out of that space because it's going to make it feel expensive and it's going to visually make it feel like an experience. Window coverings are huge. So it's like, if you move into a house and they have those really gross, ugly plastic blinds, get some curtain panels, get up like a black curtain rod. It'll change the whole space and make it look so expensive. Oh, and coffee table books. You can put those everywhere and they Amazon. Now you can buy them for like $30 and they're bound so beautifully. And you can get ones that people actually want to read, but you don't have to. That just adds like another element of just texture and, you know, beautiful images. Okay. I love that. Okay. So now I want to talk about self-care because I know you like this topic and like, well, just taking care of yourself. How do you find time? I know you have two little girls. So did you have to wait till they got a little older or have you always prioritized self-care? What does it look like for you? Yeah. Self-care is huge. I've had actually, I've had other marketing teams come to me and they're like, you need to center your whole business around wellness and self-care and it's such a part of who you are. And it does make sense because your home should inspire. If your home is chaotic and there's crap everywhere and it's not beautifully designed, how you can't feel at calm and at, at peace in that space. So self-care is everything. I guess it isn't until you become a mom that you realize self-care is a thing because you just did self-care all the time before you were a mom. It was your whole life. Yeah. It was your whole life. You didn't have to call it anything. That was just the way you were. So then once you have a kid and you're like, wait, I can't just run down the street to even the grocery store without taking them out of the car seat. If you have any listeners who aren't moms, I will say do not take any of that stuff for granted because I miss being able to do that now. But when I did become a mom, I think it was just setting boundaries and being and like sticking to them and telling my husband like, hey, we're going to each go do what we need to do to fill our cups. And that's okay. We have seven days in the week. There's no reason why one of those days a week, we can't each go do our own thing. For example, today I'm going to meet a friend for wine. Um, He loves to play golf. So sometimes I'll go to the driving range or whatever that may be. So you just have to make the time and like fit it into your schedule. And I think the most daunting thing, and I don't know if you agree with this, like being a mom is your day is scheduled from hour by hour by hour. There's no just like winging it. If you're not scheduled, you're not fitting anything in, let alone your self-care. So 
You got to schedule it into your calendar. Don't just pretend and act like it's going to happen because it won't. And for me, you know, it can even be something is like, hey, I'm going to go take a bath and maybe the kids aren't going to go to bed for another hour. So you're going to go take them downstairs and they're not going to come interrupt me. Um, And if they do, you're going to run after them because we made the mistake of not putting a lock on our bathroom door. So um, they often do come in and want to take a bath with me, but just little things like that. I mean, there's definitely things you can do um, if you don't have a morning routine where you're waking up before your kids start one. That's a huge way to get your self-care in, whether it's just 30 minutes of quiet time doing a workout or meditating or whatever. So yeah, that would be my, that would be my advice. I don't know why as moms, we feel like we feel guilty for doing it. It's like, no, just do it. And say you're going to do it and hold yourself accountable, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. I think it's so important too. And then, okay. So since you live in Seattle, I lived there and I struggled so much with boosting my mood when the weather was not good. And obviously this isn't specific to Seattle, but we share that experience. So what do you do when you need to boost your mood and you have like 10 minutes? Do you have any like really quick things that other moms can maybe get inspired by? Well, if it ever is sunny here, I go for a walk or I go sit on my front porch because even if it's just 10 minutes, I don't care if it's 30 degrees outside because we need that vitamin D. Lighting candles. So there's this thing, Huga, it's like spelled H-Y-G-G-E. It's like the Danish. I read the book. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You, I mean, like go Google it on Amazon and get the book. It's so good. But it's basically like, I think they only have even less sunlight hours a day than we do here in Seattle, which we only get, I'm talking like the sun's up at eight and it's down at four. It is a Mm -hmm. short window. So creating cozy spaces in your house, lighting is huge, having little lamps, lighting a candle. And that's why like having a beautiful serene space is so important because if you don't have that, it can just be one other thing that's stressing you out. So cozy blankets, the fireplace, if you have one candles, anything that you can do to kind of ignite that cozy feeling and take advantage of that winter, because I'm sure the people in SoCal are saying, I wish we had cold days like you guys do. So it's all relative. Yeah, totally. Okay. I love that. I love, I forgot about the, the huga. It's such a yes. good, I read that in Seattle actually. So that's perfect. Well, that's so funny. <laughs> Do you have any best and worst advice that you've heard either for mom life or business life? I always get good answers to this. So I'm wondering what comes to mind for you. Oh man. Um, best advice. Like your life is not over when you become a mom. Mm. It has only just begun. And worst advice I used to hear from people all the time complaining that you're never going to sleep in again or go on a vacation or even be able to go to the bathroom by yourself again. And that's completely not true. Set boundaries. (laughs) Your kids like are a product of their environment. So I've always truly believed that I, you know, I've just set the expectations for them since they were babies and they're both great sleepers and they have quiet time and do that. You know, obviously they do bad things too, but setting that expectation early and it's not, your life is not over. You're still going to be able to do all the things. I love that. Since you are still blogging, do you have a favorite thing? Like, this is very Oprah question. Like, do you have a favorite thing at the moment that just, you know, sparks joy? Mm, Pinterest. Whenever I'm feeling down or like creatively uninspired, I just go to Pinterest and I immediately feel better. Um, I pin everything, fashion, home, cooking, you name it. Um, But sometimes even just scrolling my feed just helps me get inspired. 
Okay, perfect. I love that. Pinterest is really fun. A lot of people don't get Pinterest, but it's like one of the best social medias, I think too. And it's Uh, one of the best for business owners. They're saying that's where you turn the most profit. So I think a lot of people don't realize that and utilize it in the way they should. Yeah, no, I agree. I've seen that too. Now for a question from my previous guest. I would like to know what brings you joy. I can't pick one thing. Um, I mean, obviously my kids are everything to me, my girls, but I think I just love pretty things. So anything aesthetically beautiful brings me so much joy. My husband gives me so much crap. He's like, did you really need that new vase? I'm like, yes, it makes me so happy. Um, So anything, I just love beautiful things. Okay. That's very on brand. So, okay. So now I just want you to tell everyone where they can follow you, find you. I know you said you do virtual. So, um, give us all the details. Yeah. So, um, you can find us at styledoutwest.com. That's where you can find all the services that we offer. Our services page is not up to date right now. So feel free to just send us an email and then you can also find our blog and, um, shopping links and all that on there. You can find me on Instagram at Jenna outwest. And then you can follow our brand page um, at Styled Out West. Okay, perfect. Well, this was so great, Jenna. Thank you for coming on. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.